It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. From Variety, celebrating 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. I mean, let's talk about this little independent film you're working on called, you know, Spider-Man 3. <laughs> what can you talk about it? Like, you know, it's a it's multiverse. Uh, what's going on here? And like, there's all these rumors, man. I'm, I'm the film awards editor, so this is like getting to, getting bombarded by right. different, different angles, man. People are like, we need to know. I mean, obviously, I can't really say anything. I mean, you can tell us what happens at the end, right? Like, that's pretty simple. Do you know what's funny? is like, I, I nearly told you then. <laughs> I know. So close to getting what you wanted. Because we're friends and you're not, and we said exactly. you're not. Exactly. We go way back. We've been on this call, what, 15 minutes? Yeah. Um, I can say that it's the most ambitious standalone superhero movie ever made. You sit down and you read the script and you see what they're trying to do and they are succeeding. It's really impressive. I've never seen a standalone superhero movie quite like it. And I'm just, you know, again, that lucky little shit who happens to be Spider-Man in it. So I can't really tell you any more than that. I'm just as excited as everyone else to see it, let alone be a part of it. But no. Are you guys officially done or you still have more shooting to do? We've got a lot more to do, yeah. We started before Christmas. We shot like seven weeks before Christmas. We stopped for the Christmas break and then we start shooting, I think, next week. Actor Tom Holland is currently filming the still-untitled Spider-Man sequel from director John Watts, but he'll next be seen in the upcoming Apple TV Plus film, Cherry. I'm Clayton Davis. On this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, we talked to Tom Holland about what it was like to team back up with the Russo brothers and the kind of research he did to bring awareness to a problem plaguing our communities. Also in this episode, we interview Golden Globe nominee Rosamund Pike about her new Netflix film, I Care A Lot. But first, speaking of the Golden Globe nominations, our award circuit roundtable dissects the surprises, the snubs, and the trends coming out of Wednesday's Golden Globe announcements. It's all on the latest edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Hello, and welcome to Variety Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Clayton Davis, Film Awards Editor here at Variety, joined today with Janelle Riley. Good morning, noon, night. <laughs> After <laughs> Jazz Stanke. Good evening. It's one o'clock. I've been up since four. <laughs> and Mr. Golden Globe himself, Michael Schneider. Be on the twelfth cup of coffee. <laughs> Feeling good. Let's do this again. Let's do this again tomorrow. Oh, yeah, we are going to do it again tomorrow. That's yeah. right. Because it's all coming at once. Um, all the nominations, all at once. Here we go. Guys, this is my last this is my last time ever doing it from the East Coast that it's at a, a normal kind of hour at like 8.15. Enjoy it. But I always say it's, it's a give or take because you guys watch the Oscars at 5 in the afternoon. And I don't know what that's like. I watch it at 8 and it ends like at 1 in the morning. Yeah, well, it ends at 1 in the morning for us too, even if it's, though it starts at 5. You guys go to parties. So you know. There yeah. are no parties on, on this side of the <laughs> United States. So after weeks of um, all of us saying, oh, I can't wait for those Golden Globe nominations to bring some clarity to this race, have we brought any clarity to this race? Uh, no, no, not, not one bit. <laughs> not one little bit. Well, I, th- I think it's a good place to start with TV because I think TV was, wasn't too many like huge shockers, right, Mike? 
Michael, no, talk TV. It, I'm going to go get some coffee. <laughs> All right. <laughs> stay, stay awake. Stay awake. There, there, I mean, there were a couple of surprises, but no big shockers. Uh, I, I, in most of the categories, I managed to predict four of the five nominees. There was that fifth one that was the outlier, but, but four of the five I managed to get. So it wasn't that uh, unusual. Uh, Emily in Paris, for example, uh, I had put that in my number 10 on my list, but clearly really? that made it. On, that on, does not shock me. No, ultimately it didn't. It, it's very, it's a, it's a very HFPA move to, to hey, give it to that. As much as I pick on the HFPA, sometimes they get things right. And in this case, Jane Levy for Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. I had the feeling that that was a Golden Globe show, and I was really thrilled to see her nominated. Yeah, that was that was that was a nice one. Um, and then they and then they do stuff like Ratchet, just, just <laughs> like comes right in, you know. Every once in a while, they clearly they they do love themselves some Ryan Murphy, and and th- that extends to you know g- giving James Corden a nomination for the prom. So there you go. <laughs> but then they they didn't give Paul Maskell a nomination. That was interesting. But they did nominate Daisy Egan Jones, uh, his co-star in that, who was not nominated for an Emmy. I think it's just just too competitive. Also, it's Daisy Edgar Jones. I'm sorry, I said Egan. I don't know yeah. why. <laughs> I need more coffee, as I said at the beginning of and, this. And Don Cheadle forever. Like, just will never, ever not miss. Ever. Which is fine. I, I still, fine. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I love Black Monday, and, yeah. and Cheadle's, Cheadle's the best. So, so I'm happy to see has that. He, has uh, he won the Globe yet? I don't know off the top of my head. I think he did for uh, playing Sammy Davis Jr., but I could be wrong. I'll, I'll look it up. I don't think he won during the House of Lies. No, no, no I don't think so either. But yeah. for some reason, I feel like he, he won for the... Uh, Frat Pack, Frat Pack, Jesus. I really need coffee <laughs> for the Rat Pack movie. Oh, no, he it doesn't look like he did win. Looks like he was nominated. A ton of times, yeah. Oh, no, he won. He won in uh, for 1999's The Rat Pack. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there you won go. a Golden Globe. I want to give the HFPA credit, though, for recognizing Small Axe as an anthology instead of picking out one of the movies. Like, fair play to them for doing that. Well, before we give them too much credit, was that them or was that how Amazon submitted it? Right. That's the rule now. So so that's how Amazon submitted it. So so the same thing at the Emmys. They they can't submit them as movies anymore. They have to submit them as anthology series. So. You tried, Jazz. You tried, tried to see the to silver give- lining. We are, we are not going to give the HFPA an inch. We're not giving it to them. <laughs> I tried. Mike, you think, we're, you think we're, we're in for another Schitt's Creek sweep, though? Five for five? Um... I think it's a real possibility, unless I, I mean. Ted, Ted always Lasso, Annie Murphy. Annie Murphy's always the the, the wild card, and she's going against Gillian Anderson, and that's hard. Yeah, that's I so mean, that's crazy always, that they put. That's all, yeah, yeah, that's such a weird category. Just let's it's the 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 garbage can, the the kitchen sink of <laughs> just throw everything in there. Listen, I also think Dan. I, also, I think Dan Levy could lose. Also, it's like Brendan Gleeson or J- John Boyega. So, I mean, I think there's a chance that. Voters, I mean, again, it's like the quirky 90 or so Mm -hmm. HFPA members. Maybe they say, you know what? Uh, Schitt's Creek's gotten all the love already. It's time to move on, something different. And if if they're smart about it, then they will be the first to give Ted Lasso some real love and and, uh, say, how you like me now, Emmys? Did someone say Ted Lasso? Are we turning this back into a Ted Ted Lasso fan cast? Because I'm here for it. I was a little disappointed, disappointed Hannah Waddingham wasn't nominated, but I also understand it's a weird category because it's miniseries and comedy and drama, but I was I was crossing my fingers for her. Yeah, they, they, they do love freshman shows, which is why I think uh, Catherine O'Hara, I think she's going to lose to Kaylee Cuoco. I think either her or Lily Collins are going to win. And because this same group that did Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you know, the first season, and then never went back again, which is always strange of them. Mm-hmm. Good predictions, Mike. Four for five is always good. If you can go four for five in most categories, you're you're in good shape. You can still work here. Good <laughs> <laughs> to see another day. Well, to Clayton, see another day. you shouldn't make that joke because we are in trouble because we were off on a lead actress in a motion picture comedy or musical. Oh <laughs> uh, well, okay. Let, let's. No, I'm starting positive. We're going to go positive first. <laughs> oh, now we're going positive. Okay. I'm, I'm going to start positive because then we get Jazz later. tried and we slapped her down, but now we're women, going positive. Women outnumber the men in director. Bravo. Yes. yes. Slow clap. Long they clap. are the yeah. sixth, seventh, and eighth women ever to be nominated in Best Director. Emerald Fennell, Regina King, 
Chloe Zhao. Only one woman has ever won Barbara Streisand for Yentl, and she didn't even get an Oscar nomination after. Wow. So uh-huh. they passed on Catherine Bigelow. They've done they've done it all. Regina King is the lone director there, but it's still it's a listen. Not for nothing, and I don't believe this is, but it could be. I think this could be our director lineup at Oscar. It would be a lot of things need to happen, but that could be it. I think you're right, with the exception of I. I still think Shaka King um, could make a showing there. There's a couple other names that aren't coming to me right now because I'm so tired, but um, it's a pretty solid five. Yeah. Yeah, no, I feel, and I'm just going to say this, I feel that, well, we are looking at them, but I feel maybe Spike Lee could get in. I'm not counting him out at all. No, no, do not. I'm sure Clayton has a pithy saying for this, but discount Spike at your own dislike. I I, I, I don't know. I don't have a word yet, but I will. I'm going to come up with one for next week. Uh, Can I just say, by the way, I'm going to put it on record now. I think Chloe Zhao loses this award, though. Who do you think wins? I think it's going to be like a Regina King. I'm mean, sorry, not a Regina King. Uh, Aaron Sorkin or a David Fincher and make everyone mad. Oh, you think mm. for you're spe- speaking specifically for, for Globes. the Globes. For Globes? I actually think I see a strong showing for Promising Young Woman, and I would not be surprised if it won director and film. Because HFPA, even when it looks, when it's even preordained, Coen Brothers for No Country for Old Men, they lost to Julian Schnabel. Uh, Catherine Bigelow lost to James Cameron. Like they just do something. Yeah, yeah, they just do something else. So there's that. What about that mank comeback? Since you mentioned Fincher, Uh, listen, I so I wrote about it. Oh, actually, it's going to be up now by the time you're listening to this. I made a bold prediction. I think Mank on Oscar nomination morning is the most nominated film of the day, but it's not nominated for picture or director. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be the new They Don't Shoot Horses. 1969 uh, film got nine nominations. One of them was not Best Picture. Uh, so I think Mank could. It, we, we're just such in a weird year that I could I see that. Could I could totally see that. Yeah. Uh, actress in a motion picture, comedy, or musical: Maria Bakalova, Kate Hudson, Michelle Pfeiffer, Rosamund Pike, Anya Taylor Joy. Uh, Rosamund Pike, by the way, guest on today. Yes, she is the delightful Rosamund go. Pike, playing two very different roles this year, by the way, because she's also Marie Curie. In uh, Radioactive. I am mispronouncing names left and right today. I am so tired. You all forgive me. Um, has anyone seen music, by the way? Listen, I haven't heard. I've talked to people who have seen it. And I hear it's not very strong. So, but this is the most HFPA thing to do. This is the, this feels like the tourist, you know? And I, and I would love to see how they campaigned to the HFPA for it. Like, to see it just write songs for each of their kids? Like, what, like what happened? <laughs> come sing them at their bar mitzvahs. Yeah, come sing. Yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> uh, it, it's just interesting. Anya Taylor-Joy, by the way, shout out to her. Only uh, Latina uh, in the acting categories because uh, she is from Argentina. Not a lot of people know that. Huh. So shout out to her. But I think, by the way, Michelle Pfeiffer is uh, a challenger to Maria Bakalova. And Meryl Streep not being here is crazy. It is and it isn't. Let's be honest. Only because she's Meryl Streep. Yeah. Yeah, but she's yeah the most nominated woman in Golden Globe history. Like she could have split with herself. Obviously, that could have happened, or they just may not have been into it. But they gave it to James Corden out of that entire. Uh, can I can I just say cost. also for the record that I I get people's criticism of the like the movie and stuff, but I felt like film Twitter was like extra hard on him, and I think the criticism like I, I think you can not like the performance, but. I think people were just really hard on that, like more so than normal. That, mm-hmm. I mean, he made it and it was fine or whatever. He's not going to win. So it just, I, I, they've done far worse things. In oh history. my gosh. It's n- nothing this year even scratches the top yes. 10, I would say. Yeah. I, 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 I think it's it's easy for people to hate on James Corden. It's, yeah. He's an easy target. I don't get um, it. I think he's so talented and yeah. He's the nicest yeah. guy on the planet. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's just, it's an easy joke. Uh, Super, do you guys watch Superstore? Like last week's Superstore episode. Yeah, they, yeah, had yeah. A, they had a big like punchline where, where oh. one of the characters came in and she was pissed off because she was like forced to watch a YouTube clip of James Corden. And, and that oh. was, 
I was like, but come people on. love those YouTube clips. Come on, like leave you can make- Britney alone. <laughs> you can God. make that joke about like maybe watching the show, but not those clips. People like those clips. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it seems very strange to me. I've I've never understood it, but I made the mistake of asking Twitter once what the deal was, and Chanel, I, it was God, not- you know better. <laughs> God. You want to have a serious conversation in Twitter sphere. Yeah, yeah you, mean, you mean you asked Twitter a question, you didn't get a nuanced and, and balanced uh, reaction? Uh, no, no, no. The, the, the best part of it, I want to know, Janelle, how many insults did you get just for asking the question? Oh, my goodness. I think I may have blocked it out. Yeah, there you go. Or blocked the people that said it. So there you go. I think there are some bots just set up to hurl insults on a daily <laughs> yeah, basis. Sure. I just get them like, you are, and then it changes the adjective. Stupid, fat, lame, you know? Uh, actor in a drama. Moving on to Riz Ahmed, Chadwick Boseman, Anthony Hopkins, Gary Oldman, Tahar Rahim. It's so weird how they pronounce Delroy Lindo these days because that <laughs> doesn't sound like any of I told that. you guys. I told you guys he was not a sure thing and I was very concerned. I think, listen, even with the, the Five Bloods shitting the bed. Yep. It, it, I, th- I thought at minimum he would survive it. I was so worried. And, you know, luckily SAG noms will be out tomorrow and we'll see if this yeah, has been corrected. Uh, Tahar Rahim, I, 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 he, I was Thought of you. Thought of you. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 if there was any place for him to start it, it would be here. And I think Jody being in the conversation, that means they're watching the movie and he is the best part of the movie. So I think that may just be a package deal. So maybe that is just, I think he's, he might pop up at BAFTA too. Was not surprised to see his name, fully deserved. Um, a little surprised, but not a bad surprise. Always know that he started He started here on the Variety Award Circuit podcast. There you go. We make <laughs> dreams come true. Yep. Come on here. You get a Golden Globe nomination. Uh, actor in a comedy or musical, Sasha Baron Cohen, James Corden, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Dove Patel, and Andy Samberg. Uh, Sorry. After you said Sasha Baron Cohen, everything else yeah, just sort of went by. It's such a runaway. And I think Leslie Odom. Do you th- I don't think that it, it is a runaway. I don't know that he wins. I. I who else would beat him? I he, Come on. It's the HFPA. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, it, like, first of all, history made. Uh, he ties the most nominations in one day with Jamie Foxx, Sasha Baron Cohen. And if he wins this category, he's the first person to win for the same character uh, both times. He's only he's only the first one since Johnny Depp to get nominated for the sequel uh, for uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chess. So, uh, I, it, stranger things have happened. They may go all in on Hamilton, but also uh, Leslie Odom Jr. I think split with himself with music, considering how good music did on the day. I think that's why we don't see Leslie Odom Jr. here. Uh, actress drama. I don't know. I don't know what to do. this could be the Oscar. Fi- this could be the Oscar five, but it's never that simple. Boy, Carrie Mulligan is just looking stronger and stronger, oh, coming yeah. from a time where I was concerned she wouldn't even get nominated. Yeah. You can see I got my Carrie Mulligan nails on today. We're going to keep that theme going. <laughs> yes. Love it. I thought Zendaya would get in. I was convinced. But then Andre Day. I knew, I, knew there was a, I knew there was a final spot, and it was between three Netflix movies. Zendaya, Vanessa mm. Kirby, Zendaya. Oh, same I, I forgave Jazz because Sorry. I just thought it was her accent. Yeah. She sounds classy when <laughs> she says it. Zendaya. Uh, <laughs> Zendaya, Vanessa Kirby, and Sophia Loren were fighting for the last spot. And Kirby got it because I think because I heard that they loved Billie Holiday. So I, I felt good that Andrew was making it. If they love Billie Holiday, though, why didn't it show up anywhere else? Uh, it got song. Oh, it did. OK. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think that's like, you know, listen, I, I think Andrew could probably still get the nomination. It's, it's going to be. Uh, it, listen, there's still fluidity here. And I think SAG will offer up a few surprises. Uh, best picture drama. The Father, Mank, Nomadland, Promised Young Women, Trial of Chicago 7. Father makes a comeback. I'm so thrilled for the strong Ooh. showing of the father. I thought I had a shot at director too, but yeah, seeing it, it get close. in for screenplay was was really great. Uh, yeah, no, none of the black, uh, predominantly black cast films made it. One night in Miami, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, The Five Bloods. So a little bit of a bad look there, but yeah. And, and can can we talk about that real quick? Because sure. what what do you think? What is the issue with the HFPA there? I mean, they, <laughs> that's a loaded question, Michael. Schneider. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, it, is, um, it is a loaded question. Yeah. Do you even know? Um, so yeah, we we can't get deep into it. But I mean, I, I, like honestly, like the HFPA will do what they want to do. 
they are pre- they are mostly European journalists, so they they don't yeah they it's not I mean listen they just don't do that a lot like I, I will say Ma Rainey I'm not surprised that Ma Rainey and Defy Blood didn't make it I was a little surprised about One Night in Miami but th- this lineup I'm, listen this lineup is a is a pretty standard lineup for them they 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 went European with the father. And Prom- Promising Young Woman is kind of European-leaning le- because it's Carrie Mulligan, Emerald Fennell. You know, they they went in on some Netflix stuff and they went with the Oscar frontrunner. So, I don't know. What I think is interesting, because as you know, I always talk about how critics aren't Oscar voters and <laughs> Golden Globe voters aren't Oscar voters either. I think there might be like one person who's a crossover. But two of the big critics uh, champions, well, actually three, Delroy Lindo, Paul Racy from Sound of Metal, and of course the grandmother from Minari, um, all failed to get nominations. But I feel like maybe the HFPA was, was like annoyed by the attention Minari got for uh, people objecting to its placement. <laughs> that's what I think. That's just a, so. That's just my personal feeling. I think that it was reactionary. Paul Racy, I predicted that he wasn't going to make it because he's not super famous. Like I just knew that was coming. By the way, Jared Leto was such an HFPA thing to do that I'm mad that I didn't predict it. When I saw it happen, I was like, God damn it. Like it was right there. It's Aaron Taylor Johnson part two for nocturnal animals. It was right there for, for us. And we paid it no money. It's a really, well, some of us did. Some of us were not surprised at all to see Jared Leto nominated. And I'm yeah. kind of surprised that, that other people like, like that's not the one that I would point to and be like, what? I mean, the guy's an Academy oh, I don't think Award it's a winner. Bad nomination. I just, yeah, it was yeah. surprising though. Nonetheless. Do you think do you think it goes further than this? I would not be surprised to see him show up at SAG. People I talk to, not in the industry, but just people who watched the movie when it dropped this weekend, like I saw them all talking about Jared. So we'll see. Uh, supporting actress: Clem Close, Olivia Coleman, Jodie Foster, Amanda Seyfried, Helena Zengel. No Helen, no Ellen Burson, no Yu Jung Yoon, and it's embarrassing. And no Maria Bakalova because she's in lead. So there's probably three potential Oscar nominees that aren't in this category. I think I think this is probably the best thing that happened to Amanda Seyfried, though, because I think she can win Seyfried. the globe now. Is this is this Seyfried? It is Seyfried, yeah. <gasps> Sorry, I should not be correcting people's pronunciations because I've been butchering them all day. <laughs> I've been saying Seyfried for the longest time. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I think a lot of people do, and I I finally just broke down and asked her because, <laughs> because yeah. I've seen I've heard other people I've seen it pronounced both ways on talk shows. Like I think she's just too polite to correct people. So so let's get it out there she's now. She's the sweetest. Yeah. So Amanda Seyfried, uh, yeah, her and Olivia Coleman, I think, are going to battle this out. Unless the HFPA wants to start this alleged Glenn Close train, which what I What do you mean alleged? She's nominated. This is probably happening. you got, oh, you got well, to accept it. Happening for, I don't, because I have a theory. I don't think she's in the Oscar five unless she's winning. That's an interesting theory. I, I, I don't, I don't so know. So she wins if she gets nominated, but you don't know if she's getting nominated. Because I don't have her winning, I don't have her getting nominated. If she gets nominated, I'm putting her number one. Wow. What you're so. going all in. Well, we get on we another get another Olivia Coleman Glenn Close showdown. How how terrible would that be if Olivia won again though? Like, it would not it would be, be terrible because it's a wonderful performance. It's a great performance, but I feel so <laughs> I feel so bad for it. It would be uh yeah. that Benny and Hillary Swank part two. Oh my gosh. Janelle, have you seen Hillbilly Elegy yet? I'm just I, was, I knew you this. were gonna ask. I have not, but now that Glenn Close is a nominee for it, I will watch Hillbilly Elegy this weekend. All right. I will. So I can finally, finally weigh it. Now that I have glasses and I'm smart, I will be able to view Hillbilly Elegy through through an entirely new lens. And last category, picture, musical, comedy, Borat, subsequent movie film, Hamilton, Palm Springs, music, and the prom. I cannot believe On the Rocks did as bad as it did today i was surprised of all that that bill murray got in and then rashida jones and the film didn't i predicted rashida jones to miss and i was still surprised she missed like i really thought i was like doing something weird but i knew bill murray would get in but i think it ends here for him um but the film not getting a picture was was pretty substantial like uh, so weird Sorry, that sounded so ominous the way you said it ends here for Bill like, Murray. I, I, I mean, unless something big <laughs> I mean, listen, maybe it happens, but I don't know. It just we'll see what the BAFTA long list looks like. You know, I, I don't I don't know. Can we also just uh, one little fact, Toyd? 
Christopher Hampton got nominated today for The Father, screenwriter. Do you know that's his second nomination ever at the age of 75? Was his first nomination um, Dangerous Liaisons? No, he was snubbed. Oh. His first nomination was for Atonement in 2007. Wait, he, I had no idea that he worked on Atonement. I love yeah. Atonement. That's, that's crazy. I that didn't know that. That was his first nomination. He, like, this is second. That, that is. I love the script for The Father. I yeah. am such a fan of that movie. And uh, Aaron Sorkin, the stat lives on every film <laughs> except for Malice. And I like Malice, as I will constantly I, I do, I tell Mal- Aaron Sorkin. It has the best monologue of all of Aaron Sorkin's movies. I am God. Uh, yes. I do love Aaron. I do love Aaron Sorkin, so I'm happy. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. That, that, that was today. Yeah, by the time this goes up, we'll already have another whole slew of nominations. and Critic, Critics' choices on Sunday? Nominations? Oh, but you know what? Um, critics aren't Oscar voters. Ooh. Good point. <laughs> now, SAG, I think, will be our, our, our closest barometer of what Oscar might be predicting. Critics can give a nice boost to something. Absolutely. And that's why I'm really hoping that these... Um, Actors that critics have been championing, like Paul Racy, you know, um, like Delroy Lindo, will show up. And some people from Minari, please. We have our ballots right now, so I wonder if this Defy Blood snub thing now is going to help it this week. Because our ballots are due on Friday. Well, I mean, I think it was always going to do well, but it certainly can't hurt. So how I've seen a lot of people talk about this today on Twitter. How awkward is it now for Spike Lee's kids? <laughs> to be the ambassadors. Uh, yeah. Like, so, so, someone said uh, here today in a meeting, they were like, they should appear on camera, and it's Delroy Lindo. <laughs> <laughs> Passing up the Golden Globes. Yeah. That's or, or like their face masks, because yeah. I assume everyone, everyone would be wearing is, masks. Yeah. Should have like Delroy Lindo's face on it, or Spike Lee's, Chad Spike Lee, yeah, yeah. all from the movie. That's yeah. gonna be uh, Wait, hold on. Big shout out to Michael Schneider yes! scooping up. Bi-Coastal uh, Golden Globe ceremony happening. What's going on there? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it, in, in some ways it kind of makes sense because now you have an opportunity to maybe get some folks who are stationed in New York to show up. Stationed like they're army brats. Because, <laughs> <laughs> well, because... I don't think people are really excited to fly all the way out just to like maybe show up at, at, at a Golden Globes uh, ceremony. But if if they happen to be able to maybe go to the Rainbow Room in New York and, and be socially distanced, then there's more opportunity to have folks on the East Coast participate. So it's still a question on how much in person uh, they're going to do. I think they're going to try to do a hybrid mix like they did at the Emmys where there'll be some presenters, some honorees there at either the Beverly Hilton or the Rainbow Room, and then others zooming in or or however they're they're going to bring them in. Uh, to, but um, that'll be interesting to see how Amy and Tina uh, sort of handle being in separate coasts. Will that impact their rhythm, their their banter as they open the show? Maybe it doesn't matter. Uh, but uh, you know, it's something different. It's a smart move for them to do. I'm excited. I really yeah. am. I mean, I'm it's, glad it's them yeah, that are doing it during this time. Me too. Uh, well, listen, Beverly Hilton's so small. Like, I, I think I'm glad that they're gonna like kind of break it up because it. I couldn't because the the press release in whenever it was, it, I, I say October, it could have been 500 years ago, but it said it was going to be in person at the Beverly Hilton. I was like, that place is tiny, and y'all aren't going to hurt my Anthony Hopkins being all over him in a room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I still. I, I doubt that they're going to do any sort of like table service or, or have like a traditional setup the way they do with those tables, especially how close they are to each other. People, uh, you know, sitting basically in each other's laps in that tiny room. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it'll probably just be a handful of folks who are distanced who participate in the ceremony. There's not going to be an audience. Um, but I think they're also, in a weird way, hoping that by end of February, Things are going to be improved We're all in vaccinated, Los Angeles. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a lot of it's wishful thinking. Same with uh, you know Oscars and, and and everything else. But that's why no one's been ready to announce anything yet because I think everyone's just kind of keeping their fingers crossed that hey maybe there's going to be a breakthrough and suddenly we can sort of have gatherings again. Super important and timely question that I can't believe we haven't addressed yet. Uh, Michael, is that a Stay Puff Marshmallow Man on your um, bookshelf behind you? <laughs> It is. <laughs> that is. Along with uh, all of my uh, 
my collectible lost toys. This is my play area. So it's amazing, Mike. I know our our listeners can't see it, but no, our listeners yeah. also can't see that Mike is Michael is only framed with half his I face. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like you wanted us to look my at my microphone's the all the way over here. Oh, so that's why yeah, you okay. only get okay. you only get half the profile. Ah, <laughs> uh, so uh, to encapsulate here, uh, we know nothing, and it's a crazy year, and it's still a month until Oscar voting opens on March fifth. Hmm. Shortlist will be announced next week, though, on the ninth. So it could be all over for a lot of the song contenders next week. And documentary, I presume. Documentary, score, song, makeup, the shorts, visual effects, all next week. You kind of don't want to be considered the front runner in documentary because that branch seems to enjoy passing I, I on. Been ter- yeah. That's why I think time is going to miss. Oh, see, that's interesting because I was trying to think who is the front runner and I was thinking time, but also Dick Johnson is dead. Obviously, all in. Um, yeah, I mean, this, oh, international yeah. feature also is the other short list. Um, yeah, time because well, first of all, it won National Board of Review, uh, LAMCA, yeah, New York. Great movie. Uh, it's the first film since Stories We Tell to win all three of those prizes, and Stories We Tell did not get Oscar nominated either. Oh boy! All right. Well, uh, shout out to Janelle's glasses. Uh, <laughs> She'll, she'll be po- she'll be posting on her socials. You know I will. You heard me take a photo. <laughs> In the meantime, uh, Tom check out Holland. this week's episode. Tom Holland. Oh, Tom Holland. Oh, can I tell you a Tom Holland story? Yes, go ahead, please. I did a I, I did a Q and A with him for City of Lost Z, and when he showed up and we were all talking backstage, he was talking about how he had just shot this bit for Lip Sync Battle, and he was like kind of describing it and how he sang and danced to Rihanna's Umbrella, and he like see he, he seemed to think it went well. And then it went on to become like one of the most viral, amazing oh. performances ever. And I always think about like how casual and, and really modest he was about it at that time. I wish how co- I wish I was that cool at twenty four. <laughs> I was a pretty like I was a terrible like mid twenties guy. Like, I didn't like really live it up like I was supposed to. I bet Tom Holland knows how to correctly pronounce uh, Zendaya Zendaya's name. <laughs> Probably. I, I hope so. I he hope talks so. Spider Man three. He only calls it the most ambitious superhero film of all time. Ooh. I love Tom Holland. I love Tom Hollander. And I look forward to Tom Hollandest breaking <laughs> into this business in the next few years. Um, these are all great actors. All right. We're, we're just delaying the inevitable. Let's get to the interview right now. We'll see you guys next week. It's Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Clayton Davis. In Apple TV Plus's Cherry, directed by Anthony and Joe Russo, Tom Holland plays a soldier turned drug addict, then turned bank robber. So what makes a joker like you want to join the United States Army for? This guy had a face like death, and every other word out of his mouth was joker. Goddamn joker. Uh, Well, I've just been seeing on the news, you know, that there are kids dying over there, you know? Guys from Cleveland who are my age, just trying to do something good, and here I am, feeling sorry for myself because my girlfriend broke up with me. Damn. She broke your heart. You searching for that gold in the gutter, a sense of purpose, right? Yeah, sense of purpose. Ah, damn. Tell you about purpose. I like him. I was too easy. He knew he had me, and so by the next day, I was sworn in. Against all enemies. I recently spoke with Holland about his work in Cherry, along with what we can expect from the new Spider-Man movie next year, which he calls the most ambitious standalone superhero movie ever made. We also talked about his desire to direct and how his dream role is to play James Bond and work with Maggie Smith. I started our conversation by asking Holland how he's doing in these unpredictable times. I'm good. As it goes, I've been so lucky throughout this whole, you know, pandemic. Um, So many people haven't been able to work or if they have been working, they've been working from home, uh, which obviously comes with its own set of challenges. But my career kind of has continued. I've been working on films and, and, you know, the film industry obviously has figured out ways to handle COVID and to make sure that the crews and the actors are safe. Um, So I've been so blessed that I've been able to keep working. Um, but I do feel for all the people around the entire world that have not been as lucky as I have been. 
Absolutely. Uh, so let's get into this. Uh, why Cherry? Why now? At this time in your career? I don't really know why now. Um, I think, you know, I would have accepted this job whenever. It's it was it's the gift that keeps on giving. And I got to work with the Russos again, who are two people that I really respect and I look up to and I admire their work. Um, the subject matter is something that I think is really important. And I think we're, we're doing a service to society by sort of shining the light on a problem that is happening on everybody's doorstep, which is, you know, substance abuse and, and, and over-medicating people um, and not treating PTSD in the correct way. Um, and also it was a challenge. It's a challenge. I love a challenge. I love pushing myself. Um, hard work is good work, you know? Um, so it was a bit of a no brainer, this film. And I can't imagine there was any way in which I would have turned it down and walked away. Uh, you've had a really, really impressive career, you know, for someone, you know, uh, so young child actor that hasn't become uh, a pain in the ass or, or yeah. an asshole. So, yeah. to speak. so congratulations. Well, thank you for that. You don't know me that well. Clayton. <laughs> you don't know me like that. I can be, I'm looking at everyone in the yeah, well, yeah. well, at least uh, the media hasn't caught it yet. So that's what matters. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I'm always curious to, to hear from uh, young people such as yourself. Do you remember the film that did it for you when you were younger that you were like, I need to get into this. This is, this is me. This is my life. This is my career. Not really, because I, I, that's a good question. There's definitely films that I've watched as a young kid where I've gone, wow, I would love to be able to play a character like that or, or to have a performance in my back catalogue like that. But when I was young, I mean, I was 11 when I first went on stage for Billy Elliot, and I was too young then to be thinking about the future of my career. I never decided to become an actor. It's just something that happened to my life, and it happened to me, and I just never stopped. I was just really lucky that I was able to continue doing it for as long as I have been doing it. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say there was one moment. I think working with Naomi Watts on The Impossible was the time where I realized that this was something that I could do for a living. That was kind of the first time I was like, oh, wow, I could I could actually maybe be an actor. Yeah. Um, but there wasn't one film or one performance where I went, fuck me, that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, you know? Yeah, but what, what are some of your favorite movies? Even, even now, if I were, you know, those was the big daunting question. Uh, you know, two or three movies you could take with, your, take with you to a deserted island. What would you bring with you? Well, that's almost like an impossible question. I bet you get that. It's, it's, always, it's always acknowledged that this is probably not the right answer. It's probably the first thing that can come to mind. So first three that come to, come to your mind. It's okay if, if you'll regret it later. It'll be fine. Uh, I mean, Primal Fear for me is one of my all-time favorite performances from Edward Norton. I think he is just, that film is just picture perfect. And there is not anything about his performance that you could tweak to make better. Um, so that's a film that I've, you know, continued to learn from. Um God, I can't think. My mind has literally gone blank. All I can, this is so bad. All I can think about is my own films. <laughs> That's the only thing that's going on in my head. I'm like, Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man okay. 2, Two. Spider-Man 3. <laughs> oh, have you seen Spider-Man 3, even though you're still filming it right now? I've seen bits of it, yeah. And it's um, it's pretty incredible. I think that Tom Holland's good in the movie. He does a good job. I mean, I've heard he's pretty good. He's yeah, pretty okay. talented, that fella. So I'm sure he'll be good. great in it. <laughs> good. Awesome. Going back to Cherry for a sec. So, uh, you know, you get to work with Sierra Bravo, who's pretty amazing. Uh, another great up-and-comer in, in this industry. You know, she's done a few things, but this, people are really going to get to know her. Can you talk about uh, how you worked with her in, in terms of learning about your relationship and dynamics and how that was going to manifest itself throughout the film? Yeah, I mean, let me start by saying what a pleasure it was to work with her and get to know her. She's she's an amazing actress, and, and the film wouldn't be half the film without the performance that she gives. Um, but I remember I wasn't at all involved in the casting process of, of Emily's character, and I remember the Russos sent me Sierra's audition tape two or three months before we started production. And for the first time in my career, I was so intimidated. I saw her tape, and I was like, oh... She's like, she's too good. And I, I need to do more work because she's going to act me off the screen and no one's going to want to follow my character. And they'll be like, can't you just... The Russos will be like, fuck you, Tom Holland. We're rewriting the film now. We're going to make this all about her. So I was so intimidated and we were so lucky that she, you know, 
was so confident. I mean, you can only imagine she's a, a young actress. She's working with the two biggest directors, arguably of all time at the moment. And, mm-hmm. and she's working on this really difficult film with really tricky subject matter. And she was so confident and brave and talented and like unselfish in the way that she, she went about making the film. So we were so lucky to have her. And, and like I said before, the film wouldn't have been half the process or the final product without her hard work. About some of your prep for the role, obviously it's uh, you know looking at uh, the opioid uh, epidemic that's currently ravaging uh, America, but it's ravaging very, uh, many parts of the world. Uh, you know, talk about that prep, that that preparation. Did you go to any drug clinics? Did you see any like, you know talk to any people who had gone through uh, personal battles with addiction? Yeah, we we did quite a lot of research actually. We we spent a lot of time at the VA in um, in Cleveland, and we were interviewing veterans who were. Suffering from PTSD and substance abuse, and and trying to seek help, um, and it was an amazing process because it really showed me that therapy works, and that these men and women were healing and they were getting better, and they were they were getting what they were looking for, um, and you know we met people at the beginning of their treatment and they were really closed off and they weren't quite comfortable enough to share the stories that they that had happened to them. We met people in the middle of their treatment who were just kind of getting to that stage where they were willing to open up. So some of them didn't want to open up to a 24-year-old actor making a movie. And then the people at the end of their treatment who have kind of made peace with their decisions and their mistakes were able to own it and tell us the stories and almost tell them proudly and be like, this is what I did, but it made me the person that I am today and I couldn't be proud of myself for seeking help. I think one of the big problems in our society is that if you say to someone, oh, I'm going to rehab, immediately the reaction is like, oh my God, that must mean that you're really messed up. But what the reaction should be is it should be, congratulations, that's amazing. I'm really proud of you that you're seeking help and that you've recognized that you're in trouble. Um, So I'm hoping that that film, that this film can do that for some people um, and that, you know, we can, we can maybe stop some kids from, from falling into this, this trap of addiction um, in the future. Everything you just said is is fantastic, and I'm glad I'm glad you look at it through that through those through that lens. I am very disappointed though you didn't say I wanted to go rob a bank and try that out so I could see if I was good at it prior to this role. So I think it was interesting shooting those scenes was amazing because they were so visceral and they were so real, and I had a gun with blanks in it, and I was shooting it in the air, and it felt so real. Is that the first time you held a fake gun in a movie? I was just trying to think a second. I was like, I don't know. I well, think- no, I held I held a gun in um in the Lost City of Zed, the James Gray movie that I did. Ah, yeah, yeah. Got but you know, it felt so real, and the beauty of it was, is I never got in trouble for it. I was fine. I would go back to my trailer and have lunch and come back and rob it again. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting for us Brits because we have a very different relationship with guns in England. Mm. Um, obviously, we don't have guns it's nearly impossible to get a hold of them so i felt really uncomfortable being around people holding a gun and uh, it took me a long time to kind of familiarize myself with it and and for it to feel like it because he was a soldier he was a trained professional with a firearm so it took a long time for me to kind of feel comfortable with it feeling being an extension of my hand you know um but yeah it was a strange thing to to kind of figure out but we we did in the end uh, as, as you continue to work with the Russos uh, on all these, uh, you know, obviously with Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame, now Cherry, uh, I, I can't help but wonder, because you spend so much time with them, are you getting the itch to direct in the future? Yes, absolutely. I, I've been I've been trying to scratch that itch for a really long time. And uh, my younger brother, Harry, and I have been writing a script together. We, we managed to acquire the rights to a book series that we loved as kids. Um, so we've been sort of uh chopping away at that and and i now have so much more respect for writers because it is so difficult man i mean trying to put something on the paper on the page is really really quite difficult um so yeah so i'd love to direct one day we're not rushing anything because i think the the project in which we're working is really amazing and can be really quite powerful so we want to make sure we get it right but hopefully within the next five years you'll see harry and i sitting in director's chairs shouting action somewhere awesome uh i mean let's talk about this little independent film you're working on called you know spider-man 3 <laughs> tentatively titled spider-man 3 
Um, what can you talk about it? Like, you know, it's a it's multiverse. What's going on here? Like, there's all these rumors, man. I'm, I'm the film awards editor, so this is like getting to getting bombarded by right. different, different angles, man. People are like, we need to know. I mean, obviously, I can't really say anything. Uh, I mean, you can tell us what happens at the end, right? Like, that's pretty simple. It's like, Do you know what's funny? is like, I, I nearly told you then. <laughs> I know. So close to getting what you wanted. Because we're friends and you're not, and we said exactly. you're not. We ass. go way back. We've been on this call, what, 15 minutes? Yeah. Um, I can say that it's the most ambitious standalone superhero movie ever made you sit down and you read the script and you see what they're trying to do and they are succeeding yeah it's really impressive i've never seen a standalone superhero movie quite like it and um and i'm just you know again that lucky little shit who happens to be spider-man in it so i i can't i can't really tell you any more than that i'm just as excited as everyone else to see it let alone be a part of it but no. Are you guys officially done or you, get, you still have more shooting to do? Or? we got a lot more to do, yeah. We started before Christmas. We shot like seven weeks before Christmas. We stopped for, for the Christmas break and then we start shooting, I think, next week. I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll see if you have to put yeah. a suit on or not next week. I just basically go where I'm told and do as I'm told. I don't Good. really know anything that's happening. That's, that's, what I, that's, that's my role here in, this, in my house with my wife. So I just, it's <laughs> same thing. It doesn't go away. Uh, just out of curiosity, when's the last time you spent time with like Andrew Garfield, Kirsten Dunst, or Tobey Maguire? Has it been recent? I've never met Kirsten Dunst. Um, I've only met uh, I met Andrew once. I met him at the Baftas, and he was lovely. He was a really nice bloke, and we had a good chat. And it was quite soon after Spider Man Homecoming had come out, um, and he was really positive and nice. And I've bumped into Toby a few times at different parties in LA, and he was also really nice. Um, but uh, but they're, yeah, they seem to be lovely, really nice people. And um, I, I hope they enjoy our movies. I hope they enjoy my Spider-Mans. Um, but I haven't I mean, asked them. Maybe they'll be in the third one. Who knows, right? I mean, like, maybe... That beats they, me. They, I don't they, know. They have, if they are, they haven't told me yet. Yeah. <laughs> they're just, just letting you, like, just show up and people will just be there. Um, can you talk about Uncharted? That would be something that Marvel would do. I'd watch the film and be like... <laughs> the, so that's who that tennis ball was? You yeah. never knew who that tennis ball was going to be. Anything you can talk about Uncharted? Oh, yeah, loads. Uncharted. <laughs> Uncharted. I'm, I'm, I'm just doing the Lord's work right now. Like, yeah, you're, you're just gonna, trying to get... I'm really stressed. I'm sweating. I'm going to do it. Look, I don't do it. They're gonna what you're doing to me. Yeah. <laughs> sweating like you can't believe. No, Uncharted was really fun. Um, it's a film that I've been really trying to get made for a long time. Tom Rothman and I, uh, the studio head at Sony, have been talking about making this film for a really long time. Um, we were lucky enough to get Mark Wahlberg to play Sully, which is amazing. And, and him and I work really well together. And the chemistry between the two of us is, is really fun and funny on screen. The action sequences in Uncharted are the biggest action sequences I've ever been a part of. The cuts and bruises and bangs I got from dangling off of wires and falling off of things and all that sort of stuff was ridiculous. So Uncharted is a film I'm really, really excited about. And I think fans of the games... And people that weren't fans of the games will equally enjoy it just as much. Awesome. Uh, all right. Now you have some rapid fire questions. These are fun. I'm done making you sweat. This would just be chill time now. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> we're good. We're good. We survived it. But, you know, if you want to drop the ending of that movie out too, we can talk about that. You know, have tried. How does it end? Yeah. So favorite horror movie of all time. What scares Tom Holland? Uh, the Conjuring, the first one. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Uh, actress you're dying to work with but haven't worked with yet first one that comes to mind uh, I'd really like to work with Maggie Smith ah that would be dope yeah I'd, I love she's so like English and, and, and she just seems so sweet I'd really love to work with Maggie Smith yeah trying to get into the Downton Abbey universe too look at you yeah, I'd be, yeah I'll be my mum loves man. Downton Abbey so maybe <laughs> I'll be in Downton Abbey with my mum yeah awesome uh, who is your favourite classical actor that is no longer with us from uh 40s 50s 60s any of that those times oh i am so poorly educated when it comes to the history of cinema do not feel bad i am as well and i'm the film awards editor so do not feel bad about that you could if you don't if nothing comes to mind it's okay um I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I'm sorry. Just, 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 just say Jean-Claude Van Damme. That'll be good. You can just get that out and just it'll be the same same thing. Um, 
what would you be doing right now if you weren't acting? What would you have been as a career? I mean, I'd, I always like to think I would have been a stuntman, but I would never have known that I could have been a stuntman had I not been an actor. So I probably would have been a golf teacher or something. <laughs> yeah. This is so random. I can't believe. This well, I love golf. Golf is like my favorite thing. And it's it's what it's my one escape from being an actor. I, I go, I turn my phone off, I play golf with my mates. It's now not about like, how many movies did you make this year? Or how much money did you make? It's just about like, I took less shots than you on that hole. Or yeah. you took less shots than me. And I get birdies. Love... Birdies and pars, man. Oh, God, yeah, mate. All day. What is uh, Tom Holland's favorite drink? Oh, just be a nice, nice lager. Yeah. Uh, what place have you visited that you have loved the most? I love Thailand. I thought Thailand was an amazing country and the people were so nice. And it was amazing to see how resilient they were and how strong they were from dealing with what they've been through in the past. Um, so, yeah, I'd say Thailand is probably one of my favorite places I've ever been. And last question, uh, the role that you want to get at some point in your career that you haven't yet, is it from a classic book or something from anything? What is the one role you really want to play, even if you don't think you're well-equipped for it, meaning you can't sing if it's a musical or you're not large enough to be Judge Dredd, that kind of thing? <laughs> um I've got two roles coming up that I'm playing in the next few years that I'm really excited for, but I can't talk about them yet. But I mean, ultimately, as a young British lad who loves cinema, I'd love to be James Bond. So, you know, I'm just putting that out there. Okay. So yeah. I'll, uh, I'm going to email some peeps for you. and decide. I mean, I look pretty good in a suit. Yeah, I think you, you totally do it. I'll just be like a really short James Bond. And not for nothing, we can probably then get Maggie Smith to play, you know... Q. Oh, not Q. M. M. Agent sure. M. And then... Yeah. Your dream comes true on this one little, little yeah, swoop. Yeah, be amazing. That is not one of the two roles you're playing in the next few years, though, right? That's you want to make that clear, or is, no. or is are there discussions that are happening? No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can tell, but I'm acting right now. I'm trying to stress you out. Is that what it is? You okay. just got the biggest scoop of the that, year. That's how talented you are, Tom Holland. <laughs> uh, listen, Tom. Uh, between you and I, you're fantastic, man. You're really, really talented. Man, you're kicking butt, taking names. I look forward to uh, Spider-Man and what you're going to do in this third edition. And um, uh, I'm so really mad at Jake Gyllenhaal for the ending of Spider-Man Far From Home. Like, I took a personal. I feel like he really hurt you. Yeah, but wait till you see how, how we, we kick it off in the third one. You'll be, you'll be chuffed. I mean, you, wanna tell me, you don't want to tell me right now, right? You wouldn't want to just throw it out there. You're going to have to wait, mate, unfortunately. Sorry about that. But thank you for taking the time with me. Be safe. Blessings to you and your family. Happy New Year. Maybe... Happy New Year. Eight days of 2021 won't be so crazy. I hope so. Thanks very much, man. I appreciate it. Cherry hits theaters February 26th and will start streaming March 12th on Apple TV+. From director Jay Blakeson, I Care A Lot is a new crime drama film inspired by real news stories about predatory guardians taking advantage of the elderly and other vulnerable populations. Rosamund Pike plays Marla, a morally ambiguous character who is a conservator that's really a con artist, slowly taking over her client's finances. Pike recently spoke with Variety's Janelle Riley about the film. They began by noting that I Care A Lot is a bit of a great escapist watch during the pandemic. I think we've all been so earnest for so long during this period that actually it's a bit of a relief to be allowed to find something naughty and unsavory quite appealing. You know, I think it's a bit of a relief. So, I mean, I found that when I read the script for the first time. So I, I sort of loved the fact that it wasn't earnest. And I think it came out of the fact that Jay Blakeson you know, he was appalled by the fact that this really goes on. You know, he 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 was genuinely horrified that that people can take advantage of the elderly in this way. But he thought, if I write a film in all seriousness about this subject, it'll be so grim and and so awful that no one will want to see it. So he he thought, I'll write as a sort of satire instead, and so we have it. It is so entertaining that you can often forget really how terrible Marla is. Like what, what she's doing 
is is awful, but you you like her or you enjoy the ride that uh, that Good. she takes you on. Yeah. <laughs> that says way more about you, Janelle, than uh, no. <laughs> it so does it? So does um, the uh, you know Jay Blakeson and I. We both live in London, and we before we flew out to Boston to make the film, we spent quite a lot of time um, at each other's homes watching films and and kind of trying to find out what's the tipping point, how far can you push bad behavior, unpleasantness, you know, unlikability and and make a character still fun to watch. I mean, that was a really important, because they've existed before and and we wanted to kind of follow that heritage, you know, of of unlikable, of, of, of immoral characters who you can't approve of and yet you sort of can't resist either. Well, it's interesting. I don't think she's a total sociopath because she loves her girlfriend. You know, she really yeah. wants to take care of her. Like if I were, uh, I think inevitably there's going to be comparisons to Amy Dunn. Um, you know, do you see them as having similar DNA or are they completely different in your mind? Well, I think, you know, Marla, for, for the very reason you point out, is is confusing. And I think that's another of Jay Blakeson's beliefs about humanity is nobody is all good and nobody is all bad. Um and that's why he's given us this this very interesting cast of characters where, you know, really there's nobody good to root for. So if you're going to root for anyone, you've got to pick a bad one. You know, you've got to you've got to go with somebody who's got uh, something uh, nefarious going on. Um, yes, I mean, I think there there will be some inevitable comparisons because, you know, both these women have a ruthlessness and an ambition and uh, and a will to win. Um, which I think is interesting because very few women usually shame or embarrassment or something stops women from owning those things, ambition and desire to win. And unless you're in a competitive sport, you know, I mean, I think, you know, it's why it, it sort of, you know, it was why Serena Williams was so powerful when she emerged on the scene, you know, with this tremendous appetite, unashamed appetite to win, which I thought was exhilarating, but it, it was so sort of nakedly ambitious, I suppose, that people had a hard time with it. And I think that's completely compelling. So, you know, the same with um, with Marla and Amy to a degree, you know, they don't want to lose. They won't lose, <laughs> either of them. And, 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 it, and it's interesting because, you know, when you have well-written scripts, that they there are obstacles in their way, and that's what makes them fun to play because they – you know, both films give me good adversaries. Mm. So I have, you know, a hard time in some scenes. And especially I Care A Lot is interesting because, you know, Jay Blakeson was always blocking Marla's path to her, to success. And because we were, you know, we were a relatively lower end of budget film, you know, we didn't have masses of rehearsal time. So it was only when an actor came on to set that I saw what I was dealing with. You know, for instance, with Chris Messina as the lawyer. So it wasn't like we had masses of rehearsal. I just had to achieve what Marla needed to achieve. But but Chris put up some serious resistance. And the same with Diane Wiest. You know, I take advantage of Diane's character, but she was no pushover. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't make it easy for me to take advantage of her. And, and all of that, you know, makes the playing of it really fun. And you and Peter Dinklage are such a wonderful combination. Um, I want to see you in more movies together. Like it, it's such an interesting chemistry because you're adversaries who respect each other. <laughs> um, uh, this may sound like a silly question, but did did you know each other before making this movie? Because it feels very natural and organic. Peter Dinklage and I did not know each other, but we have the same agent, and so we've. I mean. I know that our agent has spoken to me a great deal about Peter and told me just what a wonderful man he is. And um, it's sort of, you know, I suppose that's agenting, isn't it? Planting seeds of affection before you've actually met someone. Um, So I really relish the chance to to work with him. And and he's a magical person. I mean, he's he's got this tremendous charisma, as everybody says. Um, And he's also just, very playful and fun to be around which makes the playing of scenes really fun to do and 
he present he again he doesn't give doesn't doesn't give me an easy ride you know he's he's a he's a and he's and the interesting thing of course in this film is that he's not your archetypal heavy is he he's not your archetypal gangster and i think that presents its own interesting flavor as well i think this film is all about taste i've decided it's all about it's something delicious but with lots of lots of very unusual flavors in that deliciousness um that's why i like it so much i think and it's it's fascinating to me because we talk about being productive during lockdown and I, and i know obviously you made these movies a while ago but you also have radioactive available for people to see yeah. and i mean that's talk about a, a playing an icon i mean was there any hesitation in taking on someone as iconic as marie curie there was no hesitation because i felt that this there would have been a hesitation only if i'd felt that this was a traditional and weary biopic about her because i don't think the world needs that although i think the world does need to know more about marie curie but i feel that for such a you know rebellious spirit such an original thinker you know you you need an original kind of film to match that uh and when i read radioactive and realized that this was as much a biography of radioactivity as it was a biography of marie curie i thought this is it you know this is this is how i want to tackle science i want it to kind of explode the the parameters of film i want it to challenge people i want people to 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 realize you know what what alfred nobel said about you know with it's it's the spiderman thing isn't it with great power comes great responsibility what is the responsibility of the scientist and you know unpacking unleashing the mysteries of nature and how i was not to know that that would become so pertinent this year mm. and that such a focus would be on science and you know scientists would come to the fore in the most magnificent way um so that was a sort of uncanny coming together of 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 instinct and and history so i think and then if you were you know the really sort of well rather remarkable thing to me is that the couple who discovered the pfizer vaccine to me sound from everything i've read terribly like marie curie and her husband pierre because they you know they have a life shared life devoted to science and i read that on their wedding day they went to church in the morning or or the registry office wherever they went and in the afternoon they went back to the lab because you know that was where they most wanted to be wow. and i thought that's exactly like marie curie and pierre so i was very inspired by them did you shoot these movies back to back uh radioactive and then i care a lot or, or was was there some time in between because they're so i can't imagine no. roles more different <laughs> someone serving humanity and no. someone benefiting from <laughs> lack of humanity. That's a really good point. That is a really good point. Yes, someone serving humanity and someone benefiting from <laughs> abusing it. Um no, they had quite a distance between them. Um I filmed uh, a private war and radioactive back to back and those two Maries will forever be synced in my mind. But wow. um then I then I had a I did something much lighter. I did a state of the union with Chris O'Dowd these uh shorts. I did that. That was what I did after radioactive um and I should mention you won an I Emmy care a lot. for that I did win an Emmy yes. we both won Emmys we both Chris and I and the show um yes it was the most surprising amazing thing that especially for something know, it was it was so fun and lighthearted you know yes i know and it's um it was a little gem really i mean i knew that when i read the scripts for it the idea is brilliant for a start that you know it's it's about marriage therapy but all you see is the time it takes for a couple to have a pint and a glass of wine in a pub opposite their therapist's office once a week and i thought as soon as i heard that i thought oh well that's a very fine idea i wish i'd thought of that and then it's got nick hornby's brilliant kind funny you know un it's never mean spirited nick's writing mm-hmm. you know it's it's always totally honest and true and on the nose and wickedly funny but kind ultimately but then and i care a lot is obviously none of those things it's very unkind and um <laughs> very wicked and uh, and you know i like putting my foot in both ponds really um i think you know something so it was so freeing about marla grayson is because i had nothing in common with her 
Whereas, you know, Marie Curie, I felt a tremendous sense of identification. And that's not being arrogant. That's not sort of saying I'm, you know, I've got any ounce of her brain power, but it's that I had tremendous empathy with her, with her singularity and her, her sort of difficulty in being understood and her, and her sort of unwillingness to collaborate and then total surrender to collaboration with Pierre, who was, you know, the love of her life and the most fantastic partner. Um, but it, it cut, it sort of cut into me terribly deeply, that character. I felt her and, and her sadness, to be honest, you know, she had tremendous loss. She had this wonderful success, Marie Curie, and then suffered a terrible loss and was never the same again. And, you know, life brought a lot of challenges her way and she had to face them alone by and large. And, uh, and she, you know, she wasn't sort of rich and famous like people might suppose. She actually couldn't afford her own radium by the end of it, the very element that she discovered. And so it took a group of women in America to club together and and sort of put together a charitable fund to get Madame Curie another gram of radium. So, yes. But then, so Marla Grayson in I Care A Lot was, was a sort of liberating person to play because I felt no points of identification. I mean, I have tremendous respect for the elderly. I love elderly people. I actively seek them out as friends and mentors. And and so to be playing a character who takes advantage is uh, is very um, out of, you know, not true to character at all. That's Rosamund Pike, star of I Care A Lot, which starts streaming February 19th on Netflix. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Oscar predictions in key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Janelle Riley, and Michael Schneider, I'm Clayton Davis. We'll see you on the circuit. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.